On this episode of the Bet the Process podcast, Jeff and I have a very special guest on who is the best poker player either of us knows. And also uh, we discuss our Vegas weekend um, and the sort of very magical ending to it. Finally, we talk about uh, Jeff's gambling weekend um, last weekend and uh, how he handled the Patriots loss, hence, he did something that I probably wouldn't recommend doing. Um, and finally, we go over this week's NFL games and, and try to find some value there. So um, without further ado, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of Bet the Process podcast. This is a very special episode. We've never actually had someone on the episode who's actually a real gambler, who's actually won significant money gambling. Rufus claims to, um, but we don't really know if he has or he hasn't. But but this guy actually won, what, over $8 million uh, by... Um, what I can't. What is the expression? A luck box hitting the hitting the two <laughs> on the river? Isn't that the expression? That is uh, in the poker world. That is correct. That is what it's we called call a luck. It. I had to look this up because uh, Jan, who's in our Calcutta, called me a luck box or called, said I luck boxed into my Calcutta winnings, and I had to look it up on like Urban Dictionary. But um, <laughs> obviously, that's not true. You're not. You're not a luck box. So, so you won the 2017. We have Scott Bloomstein on who won the 2017, is that right? Correct, yeah. All series of poker. Um, yep. How, tell, tell us a little, like, tell us a story from the World Series of Poker, winning the main event that you've never told before, that's an exclusive for the bet, for our seven listeners, it's exclusive for them. Interesting, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll give the quick uh, prelude and then we'll, we'll get into the fun stuff. But yeah, I mean, just... Uh, I grew up playing poker, you know, I just love watching it on TV, um, played with friends in high school and then, and then in college and got out of Temple University with an accounting degree and was like, I don't really want to be an accountant. So I gave my shot at being a, a poker grinder and just kind of got by for a couple of years paying the bills, playing uh, tournaments, which is, you know, a tough way to make an easy living. And then, uh, always wanted to play the main event it's the one that everyone kind of sees on espn and uh was a dream mind to play it and went out and was was like you said a luck box enough to the the perfect amount of uh of uh you know calculated moves and and the right amount of luck and and something good happened so as far as a cool unique story behind it i mean i guess um a fun one i like to tell is so you play the you play uh, one of three starting flights. And then depending on when you play, you have a day off in between uh, when you have to play day two. So I played day one, didn't really bag, um, you know, a huge stack or anything. I think I turned uh, 50K into like 73K or whatever, but was pretty content with it. And then uh, I had a day off the next day. So we spent that at 
uh, summer league, which is always a, a, a fun day uh, if you're in Vegas during the summer. Um, and I just remember there was like two gyms. There was, uh, you know, the main gym at, at Thomas and Mac, and then there's a side gym. It's a little more like a high school gym. And I was in this high school gym and the Mavericks were playing. And all of a sudden I looked down on the bench and uh, I remember just seeing like Mark Cuban standing there. And I just remember like thinking to myself, like, how did that guy do it? You know, like it's just so it was just kind of weird being in his presence, such like an intimate setting. Um, and I don't know, it was just weird. Like I, I just kind of felt like inspired to maybe go do something. And and I kind of uh, attribute the little bit of a good mindset to that. So just a cool little antidote. So Mark Cuban essentially is your spirit animal. He, you looked at him and he brought you all the luck that you needed. That's that we'll go with that. Yeah, I think I think I just you're the anti think, you're the anti Haralabob then, right? Because he, <laughs> he's like Haralabob's anti spirit animal now. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think well, that's the problem. It's if I actually knew him, maybe he wouldn't be my spirit animal. But I think uh, just being able to look from afar and just you know, I don't know, just real. I think it's just the idea that he's it was just like oh, it's just this is just like a normal dude. You know, he's here in gym shorts at his at his basketball game. And uh, I don't know, this was, was something always weird to me. Who's the, uh, what? what's the most fun, assuming that that main event wasn't the most fun poker game you've ever played. And what, what's the most fun game you've ever played in? Man, there's been some good ones. I, I've been uh, fortunate enough. I think, I think that the best answer has to be, so there's an, a series called poker night in America. I think I picked up by like CBS sports for, for one season. And I was on the first episode of that. And the table was me, uh, everyone's favorite poker professional, Phil Hellmuth, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, Kevin Pollack. Um, usual suspects. Yeah. Usual. And, and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a very, uh, you know, competent uh, poker player who, who plays quite frequently. Uh, and then Shelly Azoff, who's, uh, just a, a huge boss in LA. Her husband, Irving Azoff. They've they've uh, managed the Eagles for a while. They own the Forum. Um, so just you know, just a great group of people. But I think just you know, having Phil there just was was kind of cool. Like um, you know, growing up watching Phil, and it was just a cool group of characters. And the stakes were small, but but it, for me, it's about the you know that's what poker does. It, it, it brings people together and just some funny people that I've you know enjoyed watching so that was that was the, that was a good one what's your mine? what's your most embarrassing poker loss man i've had some good ones i mean that th- there was a time when i was uh, you know when i when i was when i was trying to before i really crafted my game and and kind of plugged these massive leaks i was known for being a quite the punter you know that was my my thing was that I was super aggressive which is good in in a sense but probably just a little too aggressive in spots I, I didn't tend to believe people and if people were to raise me on, in, in in certain situations on like dry boards I would just you know never believe them and so I've I've punted off some some good ones I would say when I was uh playing at the Bergata there was 10 left it was I was like chip leader with with 10 left and the final table was going to be streamed and I was really excited. And then I ended up playing two back-to-back hands, losing two all-ins 
and was out, went from chip leader to out, and then uh, ordered about like $48 worth of fat burgers. So let's, let's go with that. So your your poker game is similar to your golf swing, just very aggressive and a lot of uh, anger. Right, right. Just angry at everyone all the time, which which you know, again, it, it, it's a it's a little bit high variance, but but man, if, if when you're if you just hit it right, it can work. <laughs> let's let's not let's not uh let's not spoil the the conclusion of this. Um, back to this this Helmuth game. Uh, I was asking, did, did he whine? Because I played with Phil. I used to play with Phil in like a home game, and uh, he was he was awesome. I like Phil a lot, but his his whining is incessant at times. Yeah, it's not even an act, right? It's like you. Yeah. This is a private game. There's no cameras there. He doesn't he doesn't have to to do that. But that's just who he is. But no, I mean, I, I like Phil too. He's a, he's a great guy. But yeah, I mean, he definitely he definitely does, does likes to complain. Let's just let's just call it that. Who's the worst poker player that you've ever played against? And, and what's sad, you know, is that Saturday night after we all had dinner together, I showed up to play poker with you guys and you had already busted out. Well, <laughs> yes. Jeff, I, 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 I tried to set, set up Scott for the, the most embarrassing defeat when he lost to me, but during the uh, pandemic. But, uh, uh, but I, we got a good story instead. This is still the pandemic, Rufus, <laughs> by the way. It's, don't say well, during, during the pandemic. During, during the during lockdown yes losing to losing to roof is a guy who claims that he's never played for more than ten dollars was was not my proudest moment but but that's the thing i mean i got if that's if that's embarrassing i got plenty of embarrassing stories just losing to people worse than me because that that's that can happen you know it's it's similar to sports betting in that way right i mean you can be the best sports better and you're still going to lose a large percentage of the time and someone is someone can hit some 10 leg parlay and you know, well, the difference between sports betting and poker is that when you sports bet, you can blame it on other humans. When I when I lose in poker, I got no one to no one to blame with myself and the and the deck. So uh, it's, it's a little different in that regard. But yeah, I mean, there's well, but the, there's the deck is random. I mean, you don't know, like, you know, if you go all in pre flop or something, you know, you there's a well, probability well, you win and a probability you lose. Yeah, but if I made the a poor decision, it's more on it's more on me than it is on you know, you can't really uh it's not really on you if Sung Jay pulls the wrong club, you know. I think that's the only the only difference. But um but yeah. All right. Well, let's uh let's move on a little bit from this and let's talk a little bit about our trip to Vegas together. So uh we all met uh in Vegas for uh we now do these like they're like these series we're calling the series of Rufus revival weekends where we bring all of our friends in to make Rufus um, go out, do fun stuff. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I love these cause it's like Jeff's excuse to get to Vegas and it's, it's um, <laughs> under the guise of, yeah. of, of being like charitable to me. <laughs> I love it though. So I, I had no idea, Scott, who you were. Um, I just knew that Cheetah had invited you to dinner. We went to dinner at Catch. Um, any, any, like any, any sort of uh, memories of that evening stick out for you? Like we, we, we had this wonderful meal with Shane Sigsby and Preston and some other people. Um, any, any, any yeah. good memories of that dinner or that night? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, having me, even though, you know, yeah, it was just, uh, 
I, you know, again, I, 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 I think it's, it's a weird thing living here, you know, being a Las Vegas resident, the, the thin line between, you know, going out and, and not, it's like for so many other people, it's, it's a vacation, but it almost feels like a, a, a burden at times. But, you know, I, I appreciate you having me because it was nice to, to, to get out myself. So, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a great meal. Uh, you know, I've been, you know, listening to your guys show, uh, here and there for a while now I, I really enjoy your um calcuttas and 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 stuff like that and so yeah it was it was nice to 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 get out and obviously catches the only thing was uh you know the, the donut wheel gets me every time i wish we we could have faded that but uh <laughs> other than that it was it was great did you enjoy the club the club was was great i mean uh i, I love when you brought out that sign to to celebrate rufus's uh coming out you know that was that was a momentous occasion um so to describe it for people essentially what happened is when you go to a, a club and you have a minimum at the table um you often end up buying something that's sort of like ridiculous right so it was like a three thousand dollar bottle of of champagne for you know and and i said hey you know if we get this, do you bring sparklers? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll bring sparklers. And they're like, oh, and also you need to tell us what you want to put on this on this sign. And I said, oh, I can put anything on the sign. And they're like, yeah, anything. Probably five letter, five letters is ideal. So I'm like, S H A N E. Let's put Shane on there. And I kind of like looked over at Shane, he was just kind of sitting there, and you know, uh, and then I like looked at Rufus, and I'm like, no, 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 put Rufus on it. And so they bring out a thing that just says Rufus. And the there's best a heart. Part is Rufus was like dancing like a schoolgirl when it came out. So, yeah, that that was the highlight of that night for me. For that's sure, that's factually correct. Was the Rufus the Rufus cards? Um, and then you, I think, you know, and that's and that's and that's I mean, you know, and 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 when it when it comes to the club, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird scene. I mean, is that something you do quite frequently, or is that I, do you even enjoy? We do it a little bit too frequently. I mean, originally we were coming. I was coming into town for CES, and I thought it was gonna be sort of entertaining, you know, a bunch of people. And and you know, chain smokers at XS is pretty fun. I mean, it's one of the best I think things to do in Vegas if you're gonna do that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I've probably been doing that for twenty five years. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm like that Chris Rock, like not too old, but definitely too old to be in the club guy these days. <laughs> uh, so no, I, I do that. I mean, it, it, that's not something you do. Very, this is more of like a Vegas Dave thing. So maybe we should have invited him. Um, yeah. Also, he would Although I think, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, living here, I, I, I like the club. It's, it's a good time. I mean, actually the most underrated thing for me is now I, enjoyed you know i go for the music right i've always been looking for a reason to go i mean so so now once you act you know if you go and you just if you actually enjoy that that edm kind of music it's it's fun yeah it, it was fun and i think you and i talked a little bit there and we talked a little bit about you golfing right and, and at that moment yeah. right around then was when we found out that our fourth the next day that we we're gonna play now now rufus and i played golf the day before was Shane Sigsby at Southern Highlands. He was nice enough to host us there. Um, and we did the first leg of the Bethel Process Invitational where I beat Rufus because um, Rufus was not playing particularly well. And then uh, then we're having the second leg the next day at the win. 
And our, our fourth uh, turned out that um, had some complications and wasn't able to get to town in time to play. So we invited you to come play with us. Now, I'm going to describe the beginning of that golf round from my, from my um, stance was when I was staying at the win. So I woke up at like 10, 15, wandered downstairs to get warmed up and get checked in. No sign of any of you guys at 10, 15 or 10, 20. No, actually at like 10, 35 and our tea times at 10, 45, I get a text from Rufus that says, I just woke up. I think I'm still drunk. I'm on my way. Right. And so that was, that was that. And then I'm like texting you and Cheetah or you Cheetah. Cause I don't know your number. Sorry, Cheetah. And I'm like, where the hell are you guys? Are you guys coming? And you guys, Vegas natives can't even figure out how to get to the wind golf course. So 1045 rolls around. I'm the only one on the tee and I just hit my first shot. And I'm like, hopefully these guys are going to meet me on two. Now you guys all file in eventually um but uh i don't know do you guys want to give your sides of the story rufus you go first you, sure you, you... yeah yeah like i i obviously didn't make it home until very late and i did not have the four i, I didn't ha i wasn't in the right state of mind to think about setting an alarm um and so i yeah i was lucky to wake up when i did and i got there uh and was able to get out to the and meet the meet, meet you guys in the like what the first green, I guess it was with, with the set of rental clubs, um, that I had to use. Cause my clubs got, uh, got sent mistakenly put in a, a car some, and made and shipped or in a limousine. And, and they were in Utah before anybody you're, you're realized. Like, you're, you're screwing. So we're like, have this wonderful lunch with Shane at Southern Highlands after we're done playing. And, you know, Shane opened this ridiculous bottle of wine and then we roll out to head home, Rufus is going to draw me off at the win. And we get to the front where the backdrop is and Rufus just disappears. And it's like 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And I was supposed to go meet someone. So I'm like, what is going on? Why is this taking so long? And I hear the guy say, I mean, I saw them. I loaded up the car. I checked each bag. I checked with the driver. I don't know what happened. And essentially what happened is they gave Rufus's clubs to someone else. And by the time they figured it out and called the guy, the people were already in Utah, which I wonder how the fuck that happened, right? Like, yeah. did they fly private? Were they were they on a helicopter? Like, how were they already in Utah? Who takes a limousine to Utah? Apparently, these people who have five, who think having five bags of club is normal for four people. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Scott, what's your recollection of that morning? Is it is it is it nearly as detailed as Rufus's, which had no detail? Well, my the, the my 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 golf club excuse is, is not as good as his, unfortunately. I, mine were just happened to be at my club out in Summerlin, which is about twenty minutes from the strip. So by the time I I, I got home in the morning, I had to to scamper all the way back there twenty minutes, come back, and then yeah, and then I and then I figure I put in the GPS, win golf club. It took me behind the encore. And then you just, they just go, you can't, there's no bag drop here. This is not a normal golf club. You have to, you have to park like a, a person in the, in the garage. So uh, by the time I did that and, and, and I had to sprint with my club, I, you know, I was a, I'm a big boy. I had to, to, to move as fast as I could. Cause I knew I was late. And uh, 
so yeah, you know, no, no, no excuse. I, I apologize for my tardiness, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I did the best I could. Uh, let's, let's go with that. So, so having listened to the podcast and seeing Rufus and I in action as two people, can you attest now that the bickering that we have as, as a married couple or assumed to be divorced couple is pretty <laughs> sincere? Well, you know, it's, it's, that's just what, that's, that's what love is about. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's just guys, it's hard, you do the best you can. But at the end of the day, I, I felt the love too. You know, I felt deep down that, that, that connection as podcast hosts. So it wasn't as bad. I mean, look, it's, it, it was a competitive golf match. You know I mean? We're, we're not out here for, for, for fun. You know, this is, this is uh, the real deal. And, 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 Thankfully, I was smart enough to 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 not bet too big because I know where I stand and I know I'm bad at golf. So we we I gave a little bit of action on my end. You know, it was it was sometimes you got to get it in bad, and it's it's called hustling, Jeff. You know, it's it's I'm playing the long game with you guys. I hear it. Well, the the long and short of it is that your game was high variance. You hit when you when you hit a drive, it went a long way. And we were all, I would say none of us were playing like particularly well. Cheetah was probably playing the best relative to expectation because he hadn't played in what, three years or whatever. And, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have any highlights that you want to talk about from golf or whether we want to just get to the, the punchline. I think um, it was a pretty uneventful round, huh? Nothing, nothing notable. Um, I mean, you and I both walked the whole round, which was nice. Or, or that was a that was a good play. Can I can I give you your props? I was I was I, that was I noted that and it made it out. I was like, yeah, that, that's that's got to be sharp. It's just got to be sharp. Getting getting your steps in uh, while playing, and and it was a beautiful day. And you know that was that it was, was a beautiful day, and that was a big life hack, right? It's this like walking while he drove with us. Well, and also um, I, a big life hack for me was drinking approximately four Gatorades and four bottles of water. <laughs> yeah, hungover, hungover golf is not is not is not is not an easy thing to do. It's a hard game to to do hungover. Let's just well, let's arguably just, played, Rufus was not playing hungover <laughs> golf. He was playing I'm still drunk golf. So once <laughs> well, I transitioned from drunk to hungover, that's when my game went downhill. Yeah, because drunk golf is actually doable. Hungover golf is, is a different story. So I think when he hit that wall, it was it was, I mean, it, was the, in, it was inevitable. The fact that there were two couples playing behind us, playing up our butts because we were playing so slow was probably a testament to the level of golf that we were playing. <laughs> um, okay, so we get to the 18th hole at the win. And for those of you guys who ever played the wind golf course, it's a beautiful course. It's expensive. So it's not probably not the best bargain in golf, but it's convenient and it's a nice experience. And then we get to the 18th hole. It's, it's convenient if, if you're staying at the wind. I think we should say or that. also if you, don't the, <laughs> if you don't put the GPS in. I think if you're staying anywhere on the strip, it's relatively convenient, right? Because like you yeah. don't have to really drive anywhere. Like I, I think it's convenient. I, certainly if you're staying at the wind. Um, so we get to the 18th hole and at the 18th hole, there are three different tees that you can play from just like any other hole. And if you play from the backs, it's, and you get a hole in one, it's $20,000. If you play from the middles, it's $15,000. And if you play from the front, it's 10,000. And obviously I'd played there before. So I kind of knew that the, the right strategy was to sort of play from the, the front tees where you actually really have some kind of a shot to make a hole in one. It was like 127 yards 
right? And wait, 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 uh, Jeff, Jeff, this wasn't you. Our caddy was the one who was like, I think. No, no, I, I, no, I, I will take credit for this. I suggested it from the beginning. I said to him, I, Revisionist I, I mean, history. we can go back and talk to our caddy about it. What was okay. our caddy's name? You, you can, you can, you can have the win. No, it wasn't my suggestion. Get, get what I, I did I there. What's up? Get what I get it. You can have the win. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, so we, we, um, I'm going to tell the beginning of the story and then Scott, you can tell it from your perspective. And so essentially we get, decide to play from the front. We talk about, Hey, you know, if one of us makes a hole in one, we're going to chop this. But then we kind of like to start discussing what chopping it really means. We're like, Oh yeah. Winner gets 5,000, 1,000, 1,000. Like we just keep going through every possible iteration. And then we all just decide to hit. Right. And I think Rufus, did you hit first? I think I did. Yeah. You hit first. What'd you hit a pitching wedge? What was it? No, I hit an approach wedge. I hit an approach wedge. And I thought, I mean, I thought like I tried to hit a, or maybe I did hit a pitching wedge, but I was like, I was in between. Cause it was sort of, it was a little uphill, wasn't it? It was it was against the wind and it got knocked down. I hit I hit like a three quarter one and it got it's true. Yeah, because because okay, so the clubs, the rental clubs, the guy was like, a six iron is actually five iron, a nine iron is actually an eight iron because these clubs, they you know, they're essentially made for people to boost their ego. So there was nothing in my bag between 46 degrees, which was the pitching wedge, and a 55 degree sand wedge. Um, so I went with the uh no, you did I did the best yeah. you could. You did the best. So, you so, could. so I hit, I hit, I, hit, I hit a little three quarter. I hit a, I tried to hit a little three quarter pitching wedge. Um, and I actually hit two, didn't, I, I was, I came up a little short. Okay. And then Cheetah hit, I think also came up short. I ended up hitting a nine iron and pulled it a little bit, but um, was probably into the nine and, and yanked it into the, uh, into the trap. And then, Scott rolls up and I'll let you tell the story from there. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it was funny. I mean, uh, Preston had happened to mention, he was just like, we were talking about in the card on the way up there and we were just, and he, I don't know. He was giving me good vibes. I'll, I'll put it that way. I was getting some, some positive vibes from Preston. Then he even said right before I went up the swing, he said, uh, I got a good feeling about this. And I, I took a pitching wedge. I mean, that's, uh you know about my 135 130 club um and yeah like I, I don't proclaim you know i'm not i'm not very good at golf i mean i i i i i want to be i kind of see how you, you can be i have to to make some adjustments and and you know probably the most important thing would be taking a, a lesson or two and actually learning how to fundamentally hit the golf ball but i do the best i can and i, I don't know i just stood over the ball it was it was the weird part was, and by the way, I, I'm going to give you credit as well for suggesting it because uh, I did remember you telling you, you telling David that you thought it was a good idea to move up. And I remember thinking, okay, yeah, that's a really good idea because I don't think any of us are going to make it if we stay back. So good call. And then the other weird thing was that usually the first time I played it, they tucked the pin behind a bunker. You'd think they'd want to make it difficult, but for some reason, the flag is just boom, like square right in the front of the green. And, you know, uh, it's still not all it's still what are the odds of holding out from from 130 out? But, uh, yeah, just to, just to, just to try to make a good swing. I kept my head still and it uh, right off the club. It, it looked like it was a, a good trajectory. And then, 
it hits the front of the green and then I just, you know, it just starts trickling towards the vicinity of the hole. But, you know, at that point you still don't, you just expect it to, to go by. What are the odds it, it goes in and then uh, it just disappears and, 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 and we, and then just, there's just pandemonium, you know, it just yeah. turns into, and, and, and Rufus, you would have thought that he just fucking hit his uh, Super Bowl parlay, the same parlay, uh, uh, plus 150,000 or so. I've never seen a man that happy in a long time. So, uh, it, you know, we all were, were really excited. And it was just, uh, you know, great, great, great ending to a, to a great round of golf. So, and so you ended up win, you ended up winning $10,000, of which, it's taxed. You were nice enough to tip out the caddy pretty well and to pay for our rounds, which I think was more than generous. Um, and then we had to sit there though, because they were like going to bring a big check for you. And I was just like, no, this is, we were all hungry. We were about, we we're all sweating the Denver, uh, Kansas city game. Um, and, uh, you know, it, what, what was there any other more experience to that beyond just like sitting there waiting for that for, I mean, I imagine that this was way more exciting than winning the World Series of Poker, right? Uh, I, I think the fair assessment is 1A, 1B as far as life achievements go. Um, it's probably 1B still behind the, the World Series, but uh, yeah, it was it was weird. I mean, just hung around, uh, talked to David the Caddy. Turns out David the Caddy, former poker dealer, uh, used to deal on the strip uh, and was, you know, we've talked a little bit about that and uh, yeah, and all of a sudden they walk over with this ginormous, uh, you know, commemorative check that uh, if you ever seen the movie Semi Pro, when uh, the, the guy makes the half court shot, Will Ferrell gives him the and, and the guy comes back. He's like, this check, I can't. They won't take this check. And he's like, you got to go to a bank with a big check department. What are you doing? So that, that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to find a place that'll cash it, but uh, it, they won't. So I haven't even gotten the real money yet. Uh, here we are a, a week or so later. I, they have to do some, apparently they insure themselves against luck boxes like me, uh, eventually making one. So they got to do some, uh, some paperwork and, uh, I guess, uh, hopefully as long as the wind doesn't go under in the next uh, couple of weeks, I think I'll get my, my check eventually. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, do, do, so you guys, as the math, the math guys, I mean, what, what do you think the odds are of making a hole in one? And, and then, and then a step further, what do you think the odds are of, you know, being that it was a pitching wedge and being that the 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 pin was in a pretty good location? What do you think the odds of, of that exact spot was? Jeff, I feel like you. I honestly don't know. I mean, I know I could give you the odds for like a, you know, a professional in a tournament and stuff like that. I mean, there's oftentimes hole in ones in golf tournaments. I think. Like, you know, it's not rare at all. I think in fact, it's like close to even money typically, but, but obviously those are professionals who are really good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely. definitely you know, gets, I, uh, way the way I think of it, it's like, okay, how often do I hit the green in regulation? And then how often would, there's a few places where if I hit the green, like a few pin, like where if the pin was in one of these locations, it would, it would go in the hole. Like what, and I don't know what that is as a percentage of the green area, a very, very small amount. So I'm assuming that I don't have any control over like, you know, it's random where my ball goes on the green. And, you know, if the pin happens to be there, then. But yeah, I mean, I think the odds are, are certainly better than the odds that you received uh, on that, which were essentially, you know, zero to win 10,000. So, I mean, that was <laughs> a good 
rolls. Like we should take yeah. free roll. Free rolls are always good. Yeah, somehow it was a free roll and still probably minus EV. So I mean, it's yeah. good that we uh, yeah turned it into something. Um, what um, so th- so then we ended up like all going out to dinner that night. W- which dinner did you prefer better? We went to catch and to Major Domo. Which which one did you prefer? I mean, Major Domo. That was it. Was that was that was an experience for sure. I mean. Again, much much appreciation for you having me because that was uh, something I, I I don't do enough of probably is is going to especially I, I when I found out that it was uh, what's his name David Chang is that correct Yeah, Dave Chang yeah yeah I mean the same guy from Omofuku which I'm a big duck guy that's one of my favorite uh, things to eat so when I heard it was that the same guy from there I was I got really excited so what you got to do Scott is come visit me in the Bay Area there's a restaurant here called Mr. Jews and it is the best duck you'll ever have in, in your life the, the wow. guy Brandon Jew is a uh, uh, used to work at French Laundry and then opened a fine dining restaurant in Chinatown in San Francisco and the, the food the duck is the best that you'll ever have say life. say no more although did he ever think about changing his name or did it, did it ever cross his mind or well it's, yeah I mean I I don't know it, it works out well for him um, <laughs> but Chang actually it, it featured him in the friend in the fried rice episode of ugly delicious if you've ever watched that show on Netflix he goes to Brandon's restaurant and they make fried rice together. Um, well, I, I have not, but I, yeah, that sounds, sounds like it's definitely on the list somewhere. And then we all went to go play poker that night and we actually had some, you know, we had some of the uh, Colin Wilson from action network and, and some other people with us that, that was, that was pretty fun. Uh, Cheetah. I had, I made Cheetah. Well, Jeff, Jeff, you struggled, you struggled in because you were, you were at the craps table. I was going to talk, talk to us about your craps night. Well, I was at the craps table, basically losing my ass. You know, like you have to put some play in when you're like, uh, you know, getting comp things and stuff like that. You got to put some play in. So I went to go put some play in there and I, I, you know, was down a lot of money. And then in, you know, Rufus left, I was sort of sad. It was like the last night in my Vegas trip, kind of ready to go to bed. And then all of a sudden, like, maybe like 15, 20 minutes of just hitting every number, every roll, maybe, maybe more than that, ended up making it all back and, and ended up up uh, a little bit for the trip and then wandered over to, uh, to play poker with these guys and, and at the Encore. And it was hilarious because they wouldn't let me play at that table. They would only let me play at another table because there were tables that were shorthanded. And I didn't really want to play poker with randoms. I just wanted to play with these guys that we'd all had dinner with and just hang out. Um, so that was the end of my night, basically. I just gave up. I felt bad for the guys that were running the poker room because all of our guys were ready to like, you know, they were like, oh, well, we don't need to play. And I'm like, well, you guys don't need to do that. Like, you guys all want to play poker. It's fine. I've been in I used it as an I used it as an excuse to be able to get out of there with 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 a little bit of money left. So. All right, Scott, I got we got one last question for you, and we're gonna let you go. So you've had these two huge accomplishments, World Series of Poker, hole-in-one at win. What will be your third major accomplishment? Because everything comes in threes. And I, and, and I know partly maybe that already came through, which is being a guest on Bet the Process. But what would really the third be? Um, it would be to start a successful company in the mental health space. That's, that's what it's going to be, hopefully. So... 
Um, you know, I got some, some work to do, uh, with, you know, my, myself first and then, uh, and then, yeah, just, I don't know. I just, it's just a weird time. The pandemic I think was, a was a rough period. And I think there's kind of a little bit of an epidemic going on. And, uh, I think something needs to be done about it. So that's kind of the next, uh, thing on the list. If I, if I, uh, actually get there or not is to be seen, but, uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to put it out in the universe and, uh, we'll go from there. That's pretty awesome, man. That's like I a great that. goal, obviously, like very different than the other two and kind of more serious than I was really looking for with this answer, but that's okay. Cause that's, that's a very good thing to aspire to do. I was going to ask, yeah. how do we bet on what his next hit is going to be like, you know, and, and now yeah, how do we, just we apparently and yeah. Scott Bloomstein for the rest of his life. Like how, how do we do that? <laughs> we need I don't know. You got to buy, you got to buy Blum coin. You got to buy Blum coin. It's uh, you can get it on, uh, on Binance, Binance, uh, USA. You really have a coin? No, no, but I'm saying that's how you, that's, you know, I was about to start looking on Coinbase. I'm like, I really like to buy this and see how it's trading. I think I think everyone should. I think everyone. That's that's a good. That's been another idea. Everyone should. Uh, everyone should turn tokenize themselves. You know, there you go. That's how you. That's um, how you bet on people. Are you are you a sports better at all? Um, I, I dabble. I, I don't really bet sports. I, I mostly. I mean, I, I do try to bet golf here and there. I don't, you know, take it as seriously. I, I just enjoy the sweat and. Uh, I, I do a little bit of daily fantasy. I actually found some success in uh, DFS showdown football um, earlier this year. I, I won a couple GPPs, but, you know, again, high variance and starting to give a little back. So probably just luck box those two. And that's what I do. I just, you know, I, whatever. I think, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of chaos in my brain and, and sometimes good things come out of it. And sometimes something good things don't. So, when uh, things, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I just do it for fun, basically, is, is my answer. So, I don't know. I, I, love, I love golf. So, that's probably my main sport. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining us and great meeting you. And uh, look forward to our next hang in Vegas. Appreciate you guys having me. And, yeah, I'll we'll see you guys soon. All right. See you, Scott. See ya. So, that was the definitive Scott I think his name is Blumstein. I was probably mispronouncing Blumstein. What's that? I think it's Blumstein. That's how I've All heard right. it. Blums, Blumstein? All right. Well, maybe I should ask him, not be an Scotty asshole. Scotty B. Scotty B. Yeah, that was the definitive Scotty B interview. Um, enjoyed hanging out with him. Fun, fun day of golf. Really uh, down-to-earth dude. Obviously won the World Series of Poker, which is pretty cool. Uh, I think he's a better poker player than Rufus and I, which isn't saying much. Uh, Rufus, you want to talk a little NFL? Um, well, one, I mean, we haven't really recapped my Georgia bet, which you haven't congratulated me on that. Really, congratulations. Did you no hedge? Uh, I hedged, I told you I hedged right at the, um, I told you I hedged, uh, going into the, uh, playoffs because I was just concerned for some reason I was concerned about Georgia against Michigan more than I really needed to be. And then I was kind of waiting for that line to go down. Remember, we kept talking about it. And like, honestly, mm -hmm. like when we had uh, dinner that night was with Colin Wilson and Colin said he gave me the analysis of like Meshi being out, being worth a lot because of his downfield blocking. And then the idea that, you know, Kirby figured out that he could just blitz Bryce and 
he just like gave me all sorts of confidence that Georgia was just going to blow him out. And I um, was waiting for an opportunity basically to bet Georgia and get out of my hedge and maybe even take more on Georgia. I never really got that opportunity. Um, bet a little on Georgia in the first half. Cause I was like, Oh, that'd kind of be, I figured like, this is like dumb. Right. But I figured like if, if they weren't winning at the first half, I'd have a chance to like go more at the second half. And then, uh, and then essentially we all know how that game played out. And then when I ran our numbers, we love Georgia minus half at, at halftime. And so I ended up loading up on Georgia in the second half and um, it all worked out. Did you do anything in that game? Um, I had a Georgia bet, Georgia minus two and a half. Um, it was just a good number relative to the market at the time. And I, I made it Georgia minus 3.8. So right. I, I wanted, you know, I was a, wanted a little action. It was essentially, it was essentially the same as the like Mark, like Pinnacle or Chris Vig pre, Vig free price at the time. So, um, so I thought it was a small edge. I did that. I had the over, that was my biggest position, which did not come in. It almost did at the end. Like it was that game, like that first half, there were five scores and they were all field goals. Right. Yeah. I think so. The first five scores were all field goals. Um, so yeah, that wasn't great. Um, I had a, I forget what I had for the second half. I think I had a, I may have had an under, um, I think my second half bet did not win. Um, so yeah. can I tell you about my, and I, and I told you a little bit about this with Cheetah, but can I tell you a little bit about my uh, tilt that I went on? Yeah, you can, I, I, I won that Georgia you could game. You can tell me and you can tell seven, like seven other people. Yeah. So I, I won that. And this is like a, this is like a, uh, um, you know, like those magazines, like us magazine when the, us weekly, where they say like celebrities, they're just like us. I don't know if you've heard like, Jeff is just like us. Professional sports bettors or presumably professional sports bettors or advantage players, whatever you would call. I'm not that anymore, but at one point in life, maybe I was, but I'm just like them now because Saturday I had bet on um, Cincinnati. Sorry. I bet on the, the, the Raiders and the Raiders, the Raiders plus, I think I got six and the Raiders money line. And I bet on the Patriots and the Patriots money line. And um, when we also had the, the Patriots in the second half and the under in the second half with the over in the Patriots game. Now, keep in mind, I'm a Patriots fan. So You're basically, a very big Patriots fan. What's that? You're a big Patriots fan. I'm a big Patriots fan. So, so basically, uh, you know, the, the Raiders game, I felt like a little bit like I was on the right side and just kind of like had some pretty bad things happen, whether it's the inadvertent whistle or, you know, the, the Raiders not being able to score in the red zone and that ball hitting off of the, the defensive lineman's helmet and, and whatnot. Yes, Rufus. You're on mute. I, I will say the Raiders have had trouble in the red zone all season. I think they're like sure. the worst so, red zone team. I'm not, I'm not going to go at all as surprised as, about that. I'm not going to go as far to say this was a bad beat by any means. But it was I was on the Raiders game. too, Jeff. I was on but, the Raiders no, too. No, but it, what I'm saying is I felt like it was a game that I legitimately, if they play that game a bunch of times, I think I have a reasonable chance to win the majority, not like more than, like I think it was a good bet, right? So anyways, by Saturday night, 
and and probably the most disgraceful thing that I've seen in a long, most embarrassing thing was that Saturday night game for the Patriots. It was just like my buddy Neil came over, was wearing a, uh, we went to a local bar, was wearing a, you know, had the greatest setup at this bar. They had a private room for us where they turned the sound on for us. And it was awesome. We're at the new bungalow kitchen in my town. If you're, if you're ever in the Tiburon area, you should come check it out. It's amazing. Michael Mina restaurant. So we're, we're just sitting there enjoying the game and not enjoying the game because a minute, two minutes, three minutes in, it becomes apparent that this is just a colossal beat down. Can't even get the second half, either the, the Patriots or the under and end up losing a ton of money on Saturday. You know, basically as much money as I had won on Georgia. So almost felt like a colossal failure at that point. So I decide that I'm going to just get it all back, right? And I, I basically go, and there's four games left. Uh, the two games on Saturday, you know, th- there was some logic in this. I felt like the seven and a half or eight and a half, uh, you know, Buccaneers, the Buccaneers had gone down to seven and a half. So I kind of felt like that was a res- reasonable teaser leg, right? And then. Uh, I was kind of like looking for another teaser leg and I kind of felt good about this, the Niners. So I took the Niners up to nine. I know that's not perfect, but like, it's fine, I guess, I think in my mind. And I unloaded on that teaser. And then I did uh, two money line parlays, which were the Niners, the um, Rams and the Bucks. And then another one, was, which was the Chiefs, the Niners, the Rams, and the Bucks. Um, and then I also bet the Niners and the Niners money line. I bet the the Chiefs and the Chiefs over, and the the um, and I didn't bet anything on the Bucks beyond what what I had already. And Were these I based on your model? What's that? Were these based on your model? No, this is one hundred percent rogue. The only thing we had on our model was the over in the Patriots game. And that was a, that's one that I think is interesting to talk about because the narrative is the weather it's cold, blah, blah, blah. But we all know now at this point, like that cold doesn't mean anything. It's the wind and there wasn't really any wind. Right. Or do you do disagree? I think cold means something. It's hard to say what extreme cold means because we just have so few games with like single digit temperatures cold like yeah, temperature a lot of those temperature games, matters like, in college. haven't a lot of those games historically gone over because the lines have been so depressed and so low i believe so see i don't i don't like looking at it based on the lines i like looking right. at it based on like relative to my ratings because exactly like the lines could be depressed so if you say oh these are great over games well it's you're saying that the market is overreacting but so the market believes there's an effect Maybe there is an effect, but it's just not as large as the market believes. So um, I think I've tried to model this a lot of different ways, um, you know, a lot of different um, like polynomials and stuff for, for temperature, but it comes down to, you just don't have a lot of games there. And so like, you're going to be very influenced by the fact that these games have, you know, there, I think they have been fairly high scoring the, the like few games in the single digits. Um, there's not a lot of games under like, freezing for that matter and they're all in december january basically so and they're probably all the nfl i mean think about this most of the games you have unlike 
college, you have a lot more college games that are at night than you do with the NFL as a percentage of the games. I mean, you have more primetime games now than you used to, but you still, I mean, most games are Sunday afternoon and it's rare to have a Sunday afternoon in November or December where, you know, the temperature is like below freezing. It happens, but just not. And it's very rare, obviously. I mean, well, we have 256 games a year. I'm more now, I guess, you know, like over the last 20 years, like, I mean, I could tell you how many games are like under 20 degrees and it's, you know, less than it's like 10 or fewer, I believe. So. All right. Anyways, the long and the short of it is my terrible uh, tilted moment ended up somehow paying off, um, which is like uh, the opposite story from Uncut Gems. So maybe they'll make a uh, thing that Adam Sandler just gave the movie away. I haven't seen it yet. Right. Uh, Okay. So going into this week, Rufus, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the games this week. Um, first one is Bengals plus three and a half with a little juice uh, over the Titans. What's the the value of the buy is what a half a point? Is that right? Um, point and a half typically. Point and a half. That's, that's what I have it at. Okay. So, so my it, guess is you think this line's about right then? I do. I, it's. I mean, I think all these lines are you know, generally about right this week. Um, Even the Packers. I make it 3.3. Okay. Yes, I do. However, I think that line has gone up largely due to the uh, Garoppolo injury, um, his shoulder sprain. Well, I mean, he's going to play. Shanahan came out and said that, but he's playing hurt. So how much will that affect him? It's not like, you know, a fully healthy Jimmy Garoppolo um, is a good, competent quarterback, but, the compromised Jimmy Garoppolo is not, doesn't inspire confidence. Um, yeah. What did that, I mean, line, that line did not open at six. That's, did it? No, it, it opened. No, it, it opened was like four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So I make that game 3.8. I make the Titans a 3.3 um, point favorite. So, and I think I may end they up may betting. get, they're probably getting Derrick Henry back, which probably doesn't matter as much as people will think, but um, they're, they're, they're getting healthy at the right time. You know, they've the Titans have kind of flown under the radar and spent a lot of the season without um, without AG Brown, without Julio Jones. I think at one point they they had three. Well, there was one game where they had three active wide receivers, and one of them, the top wide receiver, was like a fifth or sixth round draft pick who got cut in training camp, and they re-signed him later on, and he was their number one receiver that game. So, you know, they're getting healthy at the right time. And Cincinnati had what three injuries on their defensive line. Yeah. So I, I think that is certainly. I think yeah, I the, guess mark- the three is that bettable for you? No, no, I'm not gonna. I, there's it's nowhere close to being bettable on either side. I have both of these teams in the Calcutta actually, so I don't really yeah. know who to root for. I have a, I have a few Tennessee futures, not not big money or anything, some like you know 18 to one or 12 to one, 12 to one conference, maybe um, 18 to one Super Bowl, something like that from midseason. I'm, th- I'm thinking about a little Niners because we have that, we have the. Packers and the Calcutta and that number at plus six seems pretty juicy in a game where I think San Francisco is going to be able to run the ball pretty well. Um, and everybody, up- everybody says it's a, it's, it's the nightmare matchup for green Bay. I don't know. But when everyone I necessarily says, believe that, what's that? Right. I, I don't, I mean, it's like, you could say, since, you know, Tennessee is a bad matchup for Cincinnati, given they're not great against the run and they're, 
you know, their interior defensive line is injured. So, and, and the Titans are a North South run. No, I mean, like, I, I kind of feel like the, the Titans. So I, I want to bet the Bengals in that game. Cause I like the underdog and I like the Joe Burrow story and I have Joe Burrow in a fantasy league, a playoff fantasy league, but it seems like the Titans are honestly, if you can get three there, I think they're the right side because it just does seem like the things are shaping up nicely for the Titans, you know, getting AJ Brown back is huge for them. Um, I mean, I heard a good thing on that like matchbook uh, YouTube thing that Rob Pizzola does with Drew and, and the other guy. And they were basically saying like Henry will give them the confidence to do more play action, which is really where they excel. And like, it's kind of weird because that's the case, but like it ultimately will, will drive them to play more optimally is what he was saying. If, what Drew was saying, I think. Wait, play more optimally. Cause I, I would think in general, you would think it would drive them to run the ball more, which isn't he necessarily kind of saying optimal. he thought, thought it would make, give them the confidence to run more play action, which was, but aren't they running a lot of play action anyway? That's kind of what their offense is. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I'd, have to, I'd have to, I'd have to look up those plays in the bad plays. They should just use the good plays. It's a great idea. I don't know why most coaches haven't thought of this yet. Like the, the like coaches the bucks that do. Is that down to two and a half now? It's somewhere, some places I think it is. I'm looking at Chris and it's minus up. three, minus 106. I saw some two and a halves. It is two and a half at South Point because South Point is the one book that will, you know, every pregame point spread, um, they keep minus 110. They, were, they will, that's their policy. So they're minus two and a half, minus 110. The rest of the market is minus three with different juice attached. Pinnacle minus three plus 108, you know, minus three even at a lot of places. That's kind of the, I'd say this consensus is minus three even. So yeah, minus two and a half, minus one ten is a much better bet. But I make the number 4.9. Now, so again, half, again, again. So this is kind of like the opposite of the Titans in a way. Like Tampa is not as healthy as they have been um, in the past, especially at the skill positions. I don't know. Um, you know. Their offensive line may be beat up too. Right. You know, and, and Bruce Arians makes all these players play injured. Not just Antonio Brown, apparently. He just whacks him in the head. Um, yeah. what, um, what, what do you think about that total? Because we actually like the over in that game. So I make it 50 and a half. Um, and the, what's, what's it? It was 48 and a half last I looked. It is now 48, 48 and a half. Yeah, there's some 48. 48 Chris. Yeah, so I, I, I lean that way. Yeah. Um, um, I, it's, I need to check the weather again because I... I was using 20% rain probability and 10 mile an hour winds when I plugged this in initially. I haven't really, that was on Monday. I haven't looked since then. How about Chiefs bills? So I, I make that pretty close to market. I make Chiefs minus 1.45, um, a, a small favorite. Um, it's minus two. So honestly, given that my minus 1.45 is like, is a mean number, not a median, that is basically equivalent to a median of two. So I'm right on market. So minus one and a half were showing for a while. Um, yeah, they there still are. Circa, Westgate, South Point, Win all have minus one and a half flat. What do you what do you make that total? Um, I make the total fifty two point nine, hmm. and it looks the number is fifty four and a half out there. What what do you make the total? I don't make it anything. What do you, do you show value? Fun. What's that? 
do you show value anywhere? No, not really. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be interesting if it, if it did climb the day of, I think, I think you would see some value on the under. Like, it I does seem like dead. one of those that will. climbing to 556. So it's going to be a cold weather game as well. Um, or at least the, the numbers I have in my spreadsheet are 23 uh, degree temperature. Not particularly windy. But, but I mean, who, who really wants to bet under in that game after what everyone just witnessed, right? No, it's true. I think it's, you're right. I think if anything, um, it's the, it's the late game. It's the last game of the weekend. I think you'll see some public action um, potentially driving it up. I don't think, I guess I don't see, given that it's the last game too. um, I think it's more likely, I mean, just, just like standalone primetime games are more likely you're going to have a higher percentage of public action. Um, And so that would tend to, bet it up so i you know i'll hit i'll hit the ender if it gets a little higher i'll wait and see where it's at sunday afternoon yeah that, i mean that, that one does scream sharp money on the under to me i mean i'll have to look at the bet percentages really to know though just kidding <laughs> what do you make the total in the Bengals game rufus i make it 46.8 and the number is 47 and the 47. packers game um it's 47 most yeah 47 i'd say oh what about niners actually um oh that that totals 47 too well um i make that one 47.0 so (laughs) what a boring Um, day i know honestly there's just like not a ton of value I, I, i found a lot more value last week or i should say alleged value that you know didn't really end up panning out necessarily um but you know, more things to bet, but I have no bets so far for this weekend. None. Just yeah, I mean, features I have, I have on the line, on, Calcutta on the line. I have to go on Coronizer on Friday morning, right? And I am went two and two last week and I'm protecting this. Like I, I want to actually make my record better and I'm going to pick all four games, right? And what do you think? So wait, I'm gonna, you're going to go Tennessee, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, or you go? What are you going in the last game? I think I'm going to go with the chefs. I mean, the it was interesting because I listened again. I listened to that um, that I don't know if you ever watched that show. It's the Matchbook Show or whatever. Yeah, it's their weekly thing. Yeah, I I have good. It's pretty interesting the way their take on it. But like, um, they all really like pointed to the Bills very much as the team and kind of like like one of those you know like you, you believe in narratives like which you know obviously we're not supposed to but like i i do sort of like this is like the coming of age bill story right this is the game where they you know they had a really good game plan against kansas city for the first time the last time although like the other point is like when are you ever going to get mahomes at home less than a field goal right it's like uh, it's, there's so i think i'll probably go chiefs bucks they all like the Rams. The Rams were one of their own only things. I'll probably take the Rams over, which I like, which is our numbers like. I'll probably take the Niners plus the six. And then yeah, are you I'll taking probably, Tampa? Are you taking, taking Tampa Bay players. or the Rams side? What's that? Are you taking Tampa Bay side or Rams side? I will take the Tampa side. But they they like the Rams. They felt like the Tampa injuries and sort of everything about it. I mean. The reality is the Rams did not play nearly as well as the score would indicate last week. I'd be interested to look at what your game grades were for that. But like the, the, 
the Cardinals is kind of self-imploded and did not play particularly well. The Rams only threw like they did not throw very many times, right? And they did not run particularly efficiently either. No, I, I, I yeah, I don't have the grades in front of me, but you know, so I mean, the Bills. Back to what you said about the Bills and Chiefs. The Bills are the team that that. I would say they're sort of the darling of rating systems. I mean, I think, I believe their score differential this year is like, I, I believe it's, it was the best in the league. It, it's certainly one or two. Um, they're high in Massey Peabody as well. I mean, we have them rated number two behind Tampa. FBI has them number one. Um, but I'll say the Chiefs are like, have been tr- certainly trending in the right direction. Their defense, which went from being like abysmal, is now I have them graded as an above average unit. They've, uh, I, I didn't really see that coming. I don't think Especially did. with the guy like, yeah, an old retread like Spagnolo. <laughs> but the thing is, where their defense has excelled has been basically scoring efficiency. Like their they're 43rd percentile rush defense this year, 17th percentile pass defense, 36th percentile play success defense, but 95th percentile scoring efficiency, which, which is essentially encapsulates like red zone defense, um, getting turnovers, not being penalized too much. It's the, uh, it's like, if you're a bend, but don't break defense, like you're, you're, you're having good score efficiency. You let opponents get yards, but not points. So that's, that's the least sustainable of, of those sort of, I mean, I would say it's the, it's not, it's, it's, Rush defense is the least important, but I'd say scoring efficiency is the the one that um, scoring efficiency is certainly the least consistent. All Unless right, you're man. Bill Belichick. All right, man. Okay, man. It was, it was Pal, good, it was a good run. We got a uh, we got a we had a good Vegas trip. We had a good run. We had a good Calcutta. How are you feeling about your Calcutta position? Oh, I, I like my Calcutta position. I basically, I'm guaranteed to get one divisional round win. So that puts us, I think we, we invested, what, 96,000 in, in this. And I think that would get us back to like, get us back 75,000 of it. Um, and then we'll, you know, we have a chance to, obviously if we can get a win um, in the conference championship, then we are well ahead. But the other potential for us, it, what's interesting is is if the Bengals win, um, and San Francisco loses, then Bengals get the low, or, you know, the, the lowest seed in the final four, which is four percent. So um, that's an interesting. That's reading. The, are those the only two teams you have left? Well, those are the only two teams I drafted. Got it. Got it. So hundred percent remaining. I, what, what I was rooting for was the Steelers to win because then that that would have been nice if 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 we had then had um, Titans Steelers and then the Bengals would play the Bills. Yeah, but I, I traded with Rob. Happen. We and we got into a little bit of the uh, of the Chiefs. So we have thirty percent of the Chiefs now. What did you trade for? What did you give him? We just did it like dollar for dollar. Gave him like twenty eight percent of the Packers and twenty percent of the Raiders or something like that. So did you do it based on your? You all agreed on dollar valuations. No, we just did it based on what what we paid. Okay, so. I think we, we thought he got we, – we thought we got a lot of value on Green Bay. We thought he got a lot of value on KC. We did not think we got any real value on on the Raiders, but they were interested in buying into some. So, well, 
So the, the Raiders thing kind of boggles my mind that that didn't turn out to be a valuable pick because it's the first one in the auction. If, well, if you, the, if you bid, if you bid in a, you know, GTO manner, there should always be at the, least the, main, the, the first pick should never be negative EV because you should be continually bidding so up I, to your reservation you price happened? to defend that. Yes. Of you thought what, it was the Rams. Is, I know you, you, you said that on the Calcutta, you thought it was the Rams and not the Raiders. No, 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 no. We had technical difficulties. Okay. With our with our spreadsheet and his execution of the spreadsheet. And also Preston is not nearly the he's not as aggressive as you bidder. are. What? He's not as aggressive as you are in bidding. Yeah. I get so that. So if it had been me, likely I would have protected each bid coming out. Um, but I was also a little shell shocked from having thought I bought the Rams to actually buying the Raiders or looking at the price on the Rams versus the Raiders. So I don't know, I guess, honestly, if I would have protected quite as well, cause I was like a little shell shock. But the whole point is you get to determine what that implied no, pot I mean, you size can is. Buy every single when, when Rob, right. When Rob asked, like um, he said, what, or I think it was Rob who asked what everybody projected the pot at. And I said it literally, I had no, I, I went into it with absolutely no, no we've covered thoughts. this ad nauseum. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. And the only place this departs is if people have like very different prices on their models, which happens sometimes in golf, right? Where it's we not do good. have much different. But in this one, in this one, I agree with you. Although our Maybe. model always seems to overvalue the top seeds. Like the last two years, that's why we've ended up. We should have, if we went to our model, we would have ended up with Green Bay and Kansas City and Tennessee. We showed you showed we showed you having a lot of value on Tennessee also. So I guess the, right. I mean, I was shocked when I got Tennessee there without any more bids happening. I was like, Oh my God, did I do something wrong? Because you know, the, the bid well, was 36,000. I went 36,000 to 50 and then, and then nobody. I, yeah. I don't know. No, I think, I think our model had them at like 75 K. So we saw you getting like a really significant value. And again, like I'm right. not and sure Jeff, where yeah. Preston was on that bid, but honestly, like, I think our, you know, the, the NFL is Calcutta is funny because it's, there's not a lot of teams. So we no. probably need to next year to slow the whole thing down because there's no rush to get through it. Yeah. So I, by the way, I had, I had Titans at 71,000 based on that Raiders bid. And so, yeah, I, mean, I, was, I, I agree with you. I, but the thing is, we what's funny is a lot after, of so, so after the other thing is though, if you like didn't want to own another team, then maybe that like that basically reset the pot expectations because you know, after the first, after the Raiders went, like it's only based on that one, right? And then after the Titans, it's it kind of drove it back down. And so, in a way, maybe other guys didn't want to continue bidding because they're like, we want the pot to be a reasonable number. Because normally, implied pot size always grows throughout a Calcutta, because yeah, it was, it because was it, because Calcutta. each team because you know why it grows because each team is not being sold for a quote market price. They're, it's being sold for the you know to the to the you know, based on the price or the reservation price of the second highest bidder, right? You remember so, the order of the of the of the teams? I can look it up. It was Raiders. I, I actually have it in front of me. The second team. Oh, the second team was Tennessee. It was, yeah. So that was the that was the big issue. Right, but what I'm saying we is, never is after, we never protected we that. Right. And what? Yeah. What I'm saying is what it did was, so so I had the cumulative implied pot size is 859,000 based on that first bid. Now it went down to 670,000 
after the Titans bid. Yeah. So, I basically right. got them for what happened. And re- so, but after yeah. that, basically the implied pot size grew from 670 up to 693. Um, and it grew basically the way our pot growth model assumes um, the yeah. way that these things have in the past, because because it's not a market clearing price for each team. It's a price that is higher in the market because somebody's willing to bid more. Some it's whoever has, you know, it's whoever's model values the team the most will go until they get that, you know, will be the one to determine what it goes for. Well, actually it's the, the team that value, the person whose model values the team the second most because you just have to I beat mean, we, the second we, highest bid. But sorry, I'm getting all nerdy about it, but. We, we showed you getting, Actually, like our value was 65k on uh, 65k on Tennessee, so you got like 15k in value. So roughly, but it's it's 65k now, essentially. Based no, 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 on no. Like what the when, when, is now. when at the time, at the time. Okay, because I, so I 31 percent, 31 percent over. So I had Raiders is 3.38 percent. So maybe I had them lower than you did, and that's why I had would have Tennessee higher because I had a higher pot size at the time. No, we I had thought Raiders based on that 859, I'm like, I'm like, I guess we're gonna have a million dollar pot again or something close. What did you have the Tennessee at nine point? We had them at nine, nine and a half percent of the pot. 8.4%. So we had them even higher. So yeah. So but I'll tell you, have- I mean, but but like it's in like I'm my model, I'm not just looking at what the implied pot size is at the moment. I'm looking at what I anticipated growing to. So an early team, I'm gonna go higher. So it's interesting because I think if we had um played this out we probably would have gotten the Raiders in Kansas City we would not have gotten the Rams the Rams went way over what our model said they were because they were the third team the fourth team was Arizona they went way over our, our our number so we wouldn't have gotten that I mean it would have been a much different Calcutta to be honest yeah it would the, the pot would have been a lot higher you would have owned a lot more teams I don't know if I would have I think we would have ended up owning Tennessee Kansas City, Green Bay, probably not Tampa in that in that situation. Yeah. So I had the top teams. I had Tennessee as the the top bid or the top, highest EV. Cincinnati second, then Dallas seven point one percent, then Tampa, then Kansas City. Kansas City was still positive two point seven percent. The bad like ones we, were Pittsburgh. We went in there wanting the Niners. And they went way above what our model, what our model yeah, was. Yeah, I have Niners at negative ten and a half percent there, and the Cowboys at plus seven point one percent. Obviously, it's not how it shook out, but but if you think about that, between those two teams, that's eighty eight thousand. Basically, those two teams played each other. Um, so you can sell sell that straddle, as they say in the trading business. Yeah, I feel like based on what they went for, like it, it implied <clears throat> Dallas being a much smaller favorite than they a smaller favorite than they were. Yeah, they were what. A little over three, 60% chance. 60, All right, man. Now I'm 60, really going to go to bed. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you all again next week. And hopefully you guys can go on quite the uh, tilt run like I did last week. Because that's how Please real gamble game. responsibly. That's how real gamble. Don't, don't do what Jeff does. Don't, don't do what I do. I mean, don't unless play. you have, I mean, have, unless you locate a luck box like Jeff. It's not no, a or like strategy. Scott, 
Scott or Scott Blimstein. There you go. So thanks for joining us, Scott. We'll talk to you guys again. System that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded. 